Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the start of the 1 o'clock hour on Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Got some text in the Garage Door Guru text line. Again, that number is 704-570-9610. Jay from Mount Holly wrote in that Lonzo hadn't played in, what, two years? Now to tank for the rest of the year, that would work, but have to know that he would be healthy in the future. That's a good point, right? Like, it's not like Lonzo's helping you this season. So you're not taking back a player that would help you this year. You would still lose the idea in order to get a higher chance at Wimby. And then maybe Lonzo could hit the ground running with you once it is time to have the Ball Brothers back in effect and also Wimby. That would be crazy here in Charlotte, right? If we had the Ball Brothers and we had Wimby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can it you get much better than that. I mean, it would be chaotic. Yeah. It would be what would what would LeVar Ball say if both of the Ball brothers were here? Wes, I have to go to you. I just want to see <laughs> what LeVar Ball would say if Lonzo was traded to Charlotte and then both of those guys were starting in the backcourt for the Hornets. What would he say? He said, Michael, I told you. Mm-hmm. You had one of my boys. You didn't get them all. You had one of my boys and you lost. If you get both my boys and then bring Jello up from the G League, <laughs> you never lost. You never lose. <laughs> Get fitted for those rings. <laughs> them blingies. That's what he'd say. They're better than Steph Curry, Michael Jordan, all of them. When you put my boys together, I'm going to bring Chino Hills to the Queen City. That would be the best, best big three of all time to have Jello, Lonzo, Then go and ahead Lilo. and draft uh, Bronny and then get LeBron too. Oh, yeah. oh man. Let's, be... just, let's just sell out for superstars. Yeah, man. Uh, all out. It doesn't matter. Oh, you want four first-round picks for Bronny? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're also going to bring in LeBron himself. We'll, we'll bring in LeBron even if he's playing at 45 and he's in a wheelchair and he can't play anymore right that's fine we'll just go ahead and get Curry you know what I'm saying at the tail end absolutely he did not say no in the sports legends podcast out there by Scott Fowler so maybe Steph Curry LeBron I just say we go after the all geriatric Steph Seth Bron Bronny Mello brothers Jello. It's crazy. And, and maybe Russell Westbrook. Like, that's actual a legitimate possibility. Maybe. Well, let's get to that in the next segment. Yeah. We got some Carolina Panthers topics to, dis- uh, to discuss because Hassan Reddick, the edge rusher that was awesome with Carolina just two years ago, he was actually taking some questions for Super Bowl media day. He's going to be playing alongside everybody else with the Philadelphia Eagles. He had a phenomenal season and he was asked about his free agency and it, and Hassan said that it's not like he wanted to leave Carolina. It was that during some of the negotiations that Carolina just decided to go a different direction. What we saw the Panthers do, we saw them pay a Dante Jackson. It's not a ridiculous contract, but they did decide to shore up Dante's future with the team. We know that they decided to spend some money on the offensive line and eventually Hassan Reddick was cast to the side, not because they didn't like his play, but they didn't deem it fit to pay him what was a nice contract. And instead they wanted to use that money elsewhere. Do you think in hindsight that was a bad decision because he did have a great year, and you look at the stats, you're like, okay, yeah. But do you do you blame what 
the Charlotte, uh, the Charlotte Hornets, what the Carolina Panthers did by letting him walk and deciding to allocate their resources elsewhere. Yeah, how do you give up a pass rusher for a corner? You sign him over Dante Jackson all day, every day. Well, and I don't know how much of this was, was future planning as well for Brian Burns' contract and Derek Brown right. and some of these other guys. Yeah, and, and so I mean, that, I, that's kind of the reason I'm asking. I get that, but, I mean, was he going to want significantly more uh, than, what, than what he got? I mean, I, I just think that... You have to build through the trenches, and pass rushing is at an absolute premium in today's game. It always has been, but certainly now uh, you have to make sure if you have quality pass rushers in your stable, you have to pay them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think I would have prioritized Hassan Reddick. And what's interesting about him, too, is that the the first free agency that Carolina was involved in with him, I thought he was going to get pretty good money then, but I think it was only a one-year, $6 million deal, so clearly a prove-it deal, right? Mm-hmm. Arizona had finally used him with the Cardinals as he was supposed to be used, as a pass rusher, none of this dropping into coverage, none of this off-ball linebacker stuff. He was a pass rusher, and he was very good at it, but teams were a little scared because he had only had one year's worth of high-level production, and so I, he didn't get the bag like that. He comes to Carolina. Remember, he has that familiarity with Matt Rule. Uh, it's a time where Rule might deserve a little credit here. The fact that Reddick decided to go and play with Rule once again because they knew each other from their Temple days, and then he did perform, right? So it was a one-year prove-it deal. It's just that he proved it, and then Carolina did not decide to keep him long-term. I agree. I think you saw this season especially. It would be one it'd be one thing, Wes, if your pass rush was competent or average opposite of Brian Burns, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. I mean, we saw how big of a problem that was opposite of what Burns could provide. And Nitor Gross Matos just isn't that guy right now. Yeah. And and I, I had hoped to see a jump from him, but we didn't. And eventually that 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 proved to be the wrong move, in my opinion. And so now here is Hassan saying, yeah, it's not like I wanted to leave Carolina. It's just they decided to go elsewhere. So I stuck with Philadelphia, and now he's playing in the Super Bowl, and a huge part, by the way, of that team that got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, quarterback for sure is the premium position, but then you're talking about pass rusher and left tackle. So if you have a guy that you feel like can pass rush at an elite level, you have to sign him. So I think that that's a regrettable move by that front office because look at where you would be sitting now, especially with a guy like Evero coming in. If he has two pass rushers of that caliber to work with, and I think both of them work in a 3-4 front, Burns and Reddick. I mean, you're cooking with gas at that point when you have two pass rushes C- like that. Could you have two speed guys? Like, I mean, not yes, you take the talent all day long. I mean, it's it's kind of the Daryl Morey philosophy, right? I, I'll get all of the talented players, and then I'll figure out scheme and, and, and other stuff elsewhere, right? Like, I'll just figure out that problem because it's a great one to have. But realistically, you do have to figure it out. Is that a problem with an odd man front having a speed rusher like Hassan Reddick and another one in Brian Burns because you both you want both of them on the field quite a bit. Yeah, you want both of them on the field, but as I said, the name of the game, three, four outside linebackers, the bulk of their responsibility is pass rushing. Okay, you have mm-hmm. your your Mike linebackers, obviously, you know, they stuff the run and, and they're going to cover as well, but I'm going to take pass rushes first and foremost, and then I'll figure out the rest later. Well, and and Wolfpack James wrote in that Kyle had talked about this, Kyle Bailey, about the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, which is exactly what the Panthers were involved in also, right? Uh, until 
guaranteed money got way too high. Cleveland was willing to pay it. And then reportedly Carolina, David Tepper, was not willing to pay all that guaranteed money. And so once they did not get Deshaun Watson, Hassan Reddick is already said and gone. You're not going to go back to him. And so, yeah, Deshaun Watson was a part of their plans at one point, And then eventually it was not. Now, that's one decision you regret, certainly in hindsight. Here's one I don't, despite David Newton of ESPN going a different direction in a 2022 NFL redraft. And so, you know, ESPN will do this. It gets a lot of clicks. I myself am one to give ESPN the clicks with these redrafts. I always think it's fun to go back and revisit yeah, I like them too. What, what certain teams could have done. But here Carolina is. David Newton has Carolina at number six with Iki Aquanu still on the table. Not only picking a different player, but Wes, he has Carolina picking a different offensive tackle in the first place. He picks Tyler Smith from the Dallas Cowboys. And so here's what David writes with quarterback Brock Purdy off the board here. He would have drafted Brock at this spot. It would have been easy to stick with Aquanu. He had a solid season after a slow start and has shown the promise to be a long-term solution to a long-time issue. Smith, however, graded out slightly higher for the league's ninth-ranked run offense and allowed seven sacks after being thrown into the position right before the season, Aquanu allowed eight. It seems like the better numbers, quote-unquote, for Tyler Smith are very minimal, especially if you're going that route compared to a highly touted tackle that was selected above any other offensive tackle in this draft. I would have stuck with Aquanu here. What say you? Um, I mean, it's kind of... It feels slim, like a it's slim up. pickings there, yeah. Because like they said, Icky still went in the redraft eleventh to the Commanders, so it's not like you're talking about a guy that you're going to redraft in the third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, tackles are some of the safer picks of the draft, so I don't make much about it. Um, I think they still got the guy that they wanted. I think Icky has a lot of potential. We'll see what happens in year two. Uh, also, you know, I think the grade is there and then him being a, a primary blocker on a playoff team also helps his perception as well. So I don't see much there. Like I said, I mean, if you went five spots down, I think you still got a quality tackle that you can build on. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you think the ceiling is for Icky? Like, do you see potential pro bowl? Do you see potential like all pro? Does he have those types of tools? What do you see from it? Yeah, of course. When you talk about that size, a guy that's 330 pounds, uh, you know, that has the the foot quickness that he has playing out there at that left tackle spot. I mean, yeah, when he gets in, we'll see, I think, next year and the year after. But certainly next year, you hope to see some growth and improvement. And then I think in the next couple of seasons, we're going to know exactly what the potential of what we have here. But I think at his apex, if he, you know, really meets his potential, yeah, I definitely think you have an all-pro caliber guy. I mean, he went in the top five, but I thought that his pedigree was right on par with him going um, in that that top six, excuse me, he went six. Uh, I think his pedigree is, is there. Yeah, well, and 704 number wrote in, David's reasoning for taking a different tackle is ridiculous. There's not much difference. Well, and it, it kind of is weird, right? We're talking about, at least within this write-up, mm-hmm. one sack less given up for Tyler Smith, mm-hmm. one sack or, you know, a, a tiny bit difference in the grade mm-hmm. from pro football focus. But you're talking about somebody in Icky that was drafted highly for a reason. And then he also talks about the run blocking from Dallas. I I will say this, too. As much as we think Carolina's offensive line is very good, I know it's not like Dallas's offensive line is what it used to be because, you know, they were ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. We, We know how good they've been in years past. 
I, I still am, am putting that as a strong offensive line unit, right? Yeah. You are talking about blocking for a better quarterback, too, in Dak Prescott than you are in Sam Darnold. I wonder how much that makes a difference. How much does that make a difference to you, a former left tackle playing at a Power 5 level, the type of quarterback that you're blocking for? Um, yeah, it makes a difference because if you have a guy that you can still be an eraser for, as far as a guy that may hold the ball a little bit longer, may not always be aware of what he's seeing. And so he's going to hold the ball a little more. So you're still able to hold your water and protect him. I think that that makes a difference as well. Uh, I think, though, when you talk about, you know, the run game, which was where Icky kind of had more of his struggles at. And with him being on such a great unit like the Cowboys, the way they ran the football, uh, I think that helped his case uh, a little bit more. He may be a little further along in that department than uh, Icky is. Yeah, so if you look at Icky, if you want to do the uh, the PFF grade stuff, his pass blocking grade was 67.5. His run blocking grade was 64 this year. So pretty decent, honestly, for especially when it's your first year. The pass blocking grade for Tyler Smith was actually a little bit worse, but his overall grade, because of what he did in the run game, was a little better overall for Smith. And so I'm honestly, it's, it's weird, right? Like that's the thing I like about Aquanu. The guy came in with our biggest question about him being pass protection, and he actually played a little bit better in that area where you're not giving up a ton of pressures. And then people will go to the Tampa Bay game, and in clutch time, he allowed Nelson to rush outside free. Bad move. Until that play, Icky had been doing a pretty damn good job Mm -hmm. of protecting Sam Darnold in what was a meaningful game. And so I feel very good. I feel very comfortable about what you have in your first-round pick, Icky Kwanu, protecting the blind side of a right-handed quarterback, whoever that will be in the future. Let's go to a different segment talking about the Charlotte Hornets. Russell Westbrook, Darvin Ham apparently had a heated exchange in the locker room last night amidst the LeBron James record-breaking performance. Is that going to put more pressure on the Lakers to trade and maybe even trade for Terry Rozier? We're going to get to all of that coming up next. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, this one hits a little bit different for some reason. I saw both of us starting to move a little bit. That Go DJ, that is pure nostalgia with Lil Wayne, at least for me. Very different eras, as we've talked about your age a little bit. But that is what, Where? when did this come out? What were you doing when Go DJ I came out? I never forget. Um, I was riding with my barber in the car. I was in the back seat. And you had your came barber on. in the car with you? So. We were, well, he's like my distant cousin. I had right. to hang out with him. But this album had just came out. And it was two albums that came out that day, and I got the other one. I forgot who dropped that day. But so anyway, this is the Carter one, right? Yes. Yeah. And so you had been used to Lil Wayne with kind of the choppy flow. Like it was, it was a cool flow for songs, but it wasn't. This mm-hmm. is when he had stepped up to the the new flow. Like 
And I remember when I heard this song come on for the first time, and it was the first song on the card, and I was just like, oh, man, like after the intro. Right. And I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like when that beat dropped, I was like, oh, this is fire, which he always had great beats. But then when you heard the flow, though, I was like, oh, this is a different Lil Wayne. So that that was kind of a different opinion that you developed for Lil Wayne after that Well, that, that was song. when he had elevated yeah. to, and when, that was the start of the run. That was one of the greatest runs in hip-hop ever. When you talk about that you four or five-year run where he was just hot as fish grease. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Eric Collins. Yeah, man. He was, I mean, he was blazing. So uh, the Carter one was the, the start of all of that. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty great. Do you know the other album that dropped? You can't remember the other album that dropped that day? I got to look. Were... I'm going to look and see when it came out. But I yeah. remembered it was two albums that day and my friend got one and I got the other. I mean, what Carter 3 ran my high school years. I mean, Carter mm. 3, it, it lasted forever. And then he came with no ceilings. The, yeah, man. I mean, and that's all we did. All was, we did was was rap. Lil yeah, Wayne. that that run was was fantastic. That video came on because we watched a lot of the video channels. Me and my son, and so Lollipop was on, mm -hmm. and I was just telling well, Bryce yeah. that we Yikes. were watching that. And I said, man, I said when that How, song came out, he was the biggest thing in the in, world. I, I want people to text in too here seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. How do you listen to some music that might not be great for the little ones? <laughs> But still kind of get down with the music that you want to listen to. Are you just making sure they're not paying attention? Are you lowering the volume and they're in the back um, seat? Like, what are you doing well, in those instances? Well, we I'm very real with my son, but I don't let him, like, we listen to clean versions well, of, Lollipop of is, albums. So, but it was a video, so it was right. edited. No, I got you. And the That's, video wasn't bad. Right. Because there are some videos that come on where I'm like, no, because we were looking at the Classics channel because we watched the live guide on the Roku mm -hmm. channel and stuff, and it was the um, classic videos channel. Mm -hmm. Some of them that come on, I, I do turn. Yeah. But, um, you know, when we listen to albums, we listen to clean albums, and then some of them, even if they say too much in between the edits, we still don't listen to them. Right. Like, Game is my guy, but it's hard to listen to his albums around my kid because there's a lot of gang references, a lot of stuff like that. But, like, some records, if they're clean, then we do listen to that. Yeah, well, and and so I would imagine it would be really hard because anytime I'll be with a friend and they might have a kid, but we also like the music that we like, <laughs> Yeah, we, we got to make sure, you know, you kind of yeah. look around. I think pretty much all of Wayne's albums have clean versions. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, yeah, the clean versions help, but sometimes they really just don't. So. Yeah, sometimes, like I said, they say too much. Uh, K-Town, as he max said, <laughs> that he strategically coughs over cuss words when he's yeah, listening to the song. Working. <laughs> Just every time, they're going to think you got COVID right. big time. If when this kid comes and repeats something that he thought he coughed right. over. Mm -mm, no, yeah, Oh, no, man. I coughed. That's fine. Yeah, that, that's fine. Um, all right, we'll move on uh, to talk a little bit more about the NBA. Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted this out about 20 minutes ago, and he said that there was an incident between Darvin Ham, head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers and Russell Westbrook at halftime of LeBron James record-breaking performance. <laughs> so there's a lot of different layers to this because apparently that tweet from Woj, it was about Darvin Ham not being thrilled with the way that Russell was playing. And mind you, if you actually paid attention to some of this game outside of LeBron's point counter, Russell was making awful passes. Did you see some of that? Like yeah. Russell, Russell just threw one out. It was almost like he threw it out of bounds to save clock in the red zone when you're in the two-minute drill. He did that once, and then he did it again, except on the side court. It wasn't past the baseline. It was to the side. And it was like, Russ, what are you doing? He was awful in this game. And so Darvin Ham is mad at him at halftime. When LeBron James is about to set the all-time scoring record. And so imagine the dynamic 
Imagine the dynamic going to the locker room where you have beef between another Hall of Famer, he's going to get into the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and your head coach while LeBron is about to have a ceremony for him as soon as he sets this thing, which, by the way, he did before we even got to the fourth quarter. I just feel like there's enough drama here where the Charlotte Hornets are involved. I mean, the Hornets are as involved as any franchise right now when you're talking about trade deadline stuff, and it's not for anything good. It's all about them being a seller at the trade deadline because things have gone horribly, horribly wrong this year. But I keep looking at the Lakers, Wes, and having this beef between Russell and Darvin Ham, having LeBron James... I mean, act like he just broke up with his wife, broke up with his girlfriend forever, saying, maybe it's me. Yeah. Mike, I, you know, it hurt when we didn't trade. When he's talking to Mike Wilbon in the interview, Mike, it hurt. You know, it, we got to move on, but it's tough. Does a one-on-one interview with a few days before the trade deadline hitting? Man, I think stakes are high, as Dilla and De La Soul said, up in L.A., and Charlotte could be the beneficiary because of it. Yeah, I think that at this point, They're going to try to do something with Westbrook. I don't know what that is, but it seems like they keep saying Charlotte's involved. They keep bringing us up in that discussion. So after a while, it feels like it's going to manifest itself. Okay, but this is a guy that the thing about Westbrook that's funny is when he commits these turnovers and does these dumb things on the court, his lack of charisma. It just compounds it. You get no expressions. You get no, dang, my bad. You get none of that. He just does it, and he's like, I did it. What, what? are you going to do about it? Say it. Yeah, he's like, what are you going to do about it? And that's the aggravating thing about Westbrook. They said he was lingering on the court after he had been subbed out. What are you thinking about, Russ? Like, seriously. And we want to bring that to Charlotte? Like, what, I mean, what is he going to bring? So just, the, the only reason you would bring expiring him. Expiring contract. It, that, we get that, it. Right. And so that, that would be the only reason you bring him in. And then. He'll and, sell some jerseys. Well, you would. Yeah, do you think so? Oh, yeah. People will want it for the novelty of having, even if he's here for only half a season, the novelty of having a Russell Westbrook. Like you said, he is a Hall of Famer. So having a Russell Westbrook Hornets jersey, even if he only plays here for 40 games or something like that, that's going to be uh, definitely something people will covet. What is the most obscure jersey you have in your closet or packed away somewhere? It can be from you as a child. Text us, 704-570-9610. Okay. I want to hear from everybody. I think you and I talked about this on Locked On Hornet. Maybe. maybe. Or, I, I do like this topic. So or back when you were at the other spot. I think we talked about this because I was long known for other bins. Yes. For being a uh, curse for jerseys. Because for a while, I had a rough run of things. Well, what were they? <laughs> Say it again. Just, yeah, tell the people that don't I, know. What I was had, the run? Let's start with in college, I had a David Boston. I had a purple David Boston. No, I had a blue David Boston Arizona Cardinals jersey. That's pretty amazing. That's when he was like the guy. And then after that, he fell off. I had Peter Warwick Bengals jersey. I had Larry Johnson Chiefs. I had Vince Young oh. Titans. Yeah, I had Vince Young <laughs> Titans. Um... Oh, who else did I have? I had oh, I had a couple because guys they that I would really get they did. would get hurt. Yeah, well they they fell off immediately when you got some of these jerseys. That's what I'm saying. They would get hurt, and that was the thing. And it was at the other spot because me, you, and the other hosts were talking about this and saying not to buy somebody's jersey that I said I was. Gonna <laughs> I like how we're referring. Yeah, like, at other I, spot. I got you. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's like referring to those we don't speak of, but it's fine. Right, yeah, right. You. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> so yeah, I, I my jersey game now right now is it's pretty decent, but. I have had some guys that I copped that, that immediately fell off the wagon. I was a curse. It was. Now, I have a couple of obscure. Fitty, do oh, you have- and I have a, um, 
Miles Bridges that I got last year. Well, it's okay. You you ain't there. I got one. it for free. Well, yeah, and it's not like you went out and bought it after you got arrested. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. yeah like I got you... the city edition Miles in my closet. Now that would be bad. Yes, Biddy, do you have any jerseys <laughs> that are obscure or that are a little bit random? Nope, I'm a jersey elitist. What does that mean? Who did you get? Who did you get to fit that category? Uh, well, I mean, I have three jerseys in my closet. So I have Tony Romo, my favorite NFL player of all time. Okay. Keith Hernandez from the Mets. That's a that's kind of obscure. Like it's not like you see a lot of that. He's a Hall around. of Famer. But you don't see that a lot rolling around. He's the best defensive first baseman in baseball history. Do you have anybody? Go, have go. you had anybody in history though that you bought just, that kind of fell off after you got them? Well, I mean, I'm old Panther jerseys. Like I had Steve Smith. I had Steven Davis's. It was the first jersey I ever bought. Jake DeLome's. Steve, uh, I never I never got a Julius Peppers. I got Peppers. Well, oh, I did have a black D'Angelo Williams jersey. Whenever, you know, he went on his tirade after the Panthers got rid of him, I did just throw that thing in the closet and just let it get crumbled up. So we can have different definitions of of obscure, but it's not like I could go find a Keith Hernandez jersey anywhere Some very fanatics. easily. If you go online and shop for, thank you, Fiddy, you have been a delight during this segment. I appreciate it. Let's go to some of the prep page text messages that we have. Uh, sorry, it was Lloyd the- Banks. I looked it up. It was Lloyd Banks, The Hunger for More was the album that I bought that day. Okay, thank you. All right, we are all <laughs> off and rolling here with some of the album mentions here. I'm trying to get to some of these texts that are writing in 704- 570-9610. Someone wrote in Sean May Bobcats jersey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not the only one. Uh, Panthero wrote in Nick Anderson, Orlando Magic jersey, found it at a Marshalls on the clearance rack. See, that's a great find. That is. N- Nick Anderson jersey, that's a fantastic Nick find. Nick Ander. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joby Thomas from Charlotte. Oh, game- Queen City legend. Yeah, number 31 game worn in a Cincinnati wow. game. 704. That's nice. Where did you get that? I wonder, does he know you have that? Uh, <laughs> did you steal it? Yeah. Did we just snitch on you <laughs> by mentioning that text? Uh, Chips Tiki Hut said he has a Chad Coda jersey. That's a great uh-huh. one. See, that's one that hits right in the sweet spot where all Carolina Panthers fans are going to know exactly who you're wearing, mm-hmm. but also there's not a lot of Chad Coda jerseys out there, yeah. right? Like, I think that's the sweet spot, which is what I would And we never talked for. about in that bowl game. His son was the one that caught right. the game when in touchdown. Right, that's right. Yeah, he did. There was, it all <laughs> it all came full circle. Here's a 703 number. Wrote in Nick Maddox, Florida State jersey. Oh, Nick at night. Do, mm. Does it get more obscure that's than that? That's nostalgia right there, man. Do, all right, so let, let's play a game with this because I I don't know if Nick Maddox can be topped. Like Joby Thomas in the yeah, city Nick of Charlotte. Yeah, Nick Maddox is hard to top. And that's going to be tough. Uh, Jess's Thirsty Stalker wrote in a Mike Piazza Marlins jersey. Okay. So that one's I'll awesome. I'll add Alden Smith to my list. Okay. Man, you got... <laughs> You, you got some questionable jerseys yes, in your closet, man. I mean, Adam Smith was on his way to being one of the goats. Uh, he was he was phenomenal, and then yeah, he was not because he couldn't keep his mouth shut at an airport. Just out and also, being a you fool. know, the, the, the substance abuse. There, there was there was quite a bit there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joey from Huntersville said he had okay, so this one had he had a Tyler Hansborough jersey. And a stitched Luke Keekley. I thought he was saying he had Hansborough on the back of a Panthers jersey or something oh. like that. Nobody has a throwback Steve Young, George Kittle as well. As well. How about this? Has a ginger wife, Jim Kleinsasser Vikings jersey. Wow. That Does that beat Nick Maddox? No. no Nick no, Maddox no. still see, wins? See, I don't know about Nick Maddox like that in high school. 
That man was. Ooh. Um, we're getting we're getting a lot. Randolph Childers Wake jersey. Okay. Um, we have a Nomar Garcia Parra Cubs jersey. Mm, That's pretty you're talking good. Talking about somebody that was always hurt. Oh man, this one's big. D two kicker wrote in a Dennis Rodman Spurs jersey. That was lit. Yeah, yeah. A Spurs? That's yeah. crazy though. No, but like there's not a lot of people that yeah, have that in my opinion. No, because he had a little stretch with the Spurs and he was big because that was right when he started the dying of the hair and what? all that because that was right around Demolition Man and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that that was when San Antonio was ready to move on something serious and then yeah. in, in the documentary in Last Dance yeah. they have to talk to Michael like, hey, are you on board to bring in Worm? <laughs> and then Michael's like, hey, that's fine. We'll, we'll he said he'd punch him. him in the face yeah. if he didn't play well. We're, we're getting amazing names. Dontrell Willis jersey. Oh. That might be my favorite one I've seen mentioned. Yeah. I loved watching Dontrell him pitch, nice. man. Well, especially with the with the actual Marlin, the Florida logo. Yes. Is that one of the more fire logos that we yes. have in sports history? Yes. I love the Marlin before they went to Miami. I wish they would bring that back. Ricky Prohl, Cam Newton College. Uh, you have a Frank Reich jersey, the inaugural uh, patch there with that. So that's pretty good. We're getting a lot of those good ones as well. Um, keep bringing them in. We'll, we'll try to feature some of these texts throughout the show. L- last thing here with the Hornets. Wes, I know you asked this question to try to lead off the topic before we had that tweet from Woj with mm-hmm. some drama in La La Land. What reasons do we have to watch the Hornets right now? Mm-hmm. Right? Because trade deadline, you might just lose your favorite player. Like, there are people that are Hornets fans that absolutely love Terry Rozier. Yeah. And I understand why. Because you had lost hope with Kimba, probably the best Hornet of all time. So you lose him. And then you bring back Terry. That move was ridiculed at the time. But he's given you a lot of nice moments in a stretch where it hasn't been that fruitful. You're talking about two play-in games where they got bounced in both of them big time. So this one's going to be tough. If you lose Terry Rozier, this is the hard part of the process way of things. And you, you got to just have the hope on the other side. What I choose to do is pick the young players that aren't going anywhere and just pull for them. Like there's going to be a lot of Mark Williams tape I'm watching, right? Like I'm going to be focusing on the first round picks big time. If book night gets any more minutes. Yeah, I'm going to be having to pay attention to James Booknight a lot more. How do you navigate a process-laden season that the Hornets could be undergoing the second half? Well, the number one reason I watch because this is my job. Okay, okay. So. all right, so we got that out of the way. Well, people, <laughs> That's people, about the only reason to watch this crap team. Right, but so, no, so, so yes, I mean, but no, as far as fans, because yeah, I asked that because it's like, what are you looking for at this point? Because you know, a lot of the veterans are going to be gone. This is going to be a young team. I'm interested to see what returns they will get on these potential trades. But as far as just at its core, you're watching to see LaMelo's development. Uh, You're watching to see just basketball character, him continuing to play hard. Like you said, it's the young guys. When your team is bad, you're watching for the young guys to see if you have something there to give you that hope for the future. Like you said, you want to see Mark Williams. How is he and LaMelo uh, meshing? How are they meshing together? What could that look like in the future? As you said, book night if they start to give him minutes if they start to give kai jones more minutes down the stretch the main thing is you just want to watch the future basically that to me is the reason why you're watching that's what you're looking for to see Mm -hmm. if you have something there that hey just give it some time we'll continue to root for this team and i guess you just want to see some fun and that's the the biggest thing you have with them last year that even though they were a playing team they were a fun watch night in night out 
They were. And and I remember talking with John Hayes, who was a producer for the Paul Feinbaum show for a while, does a lot of work with The Athletic and is an excellent producer. He's a Philadelphia 76ers fan. I remember asking him, was it worth it to go through the process and now be a, t- a fan of a team that still hasn't won a championship? Right. I mean, this is a, a Philadelphia 76ers team that has Joel Embiid. It went horribly wrong with Ben Simmons. But the way they've been able to parlay all of that and being a contender even this year, he says it was. He says it was worth it to go through the process, even if they did not win a championship. So like minds can disagree on that for sure. But maybe just maybe the Hornets could be in that territory. We have some absolute fire jerseys that are in the text message line and i just can't get to all of them i'm gonna try to organize them i'll read one how about a tom gugliata minnesota oh, jersey that's ew. Ooh, that is that is about as good oh, as man. it gets yeah keep sending them in we'll try to do two shows at one 704-570-9610 all right fitty what's your flash for today well in big nfc south news the Raiders have granted Derek Carr their permission to meet with New Orleans and the Saints. They emerged over the weekend as the betting favorite to land the Raiders quarterback. Me and Colin talked about this yesterday. He'll be off that roster one way or another by next Wednesday because he has a a cap hit of, of excess of $20 million that will go into effect if he is not moved. How worrisome should this be for the Panthers? Because it appears right now they're not interested in bringing in Derek Carr that their arch rival could land what would be the best quarterback in the division in the Raiders QB. And at least in the short term, right? Like, you know, I understand that Derek Carr could come in and be the best quarterback in the division. I understand that way of thinking to go after another veteran. And Derek Derek Carr has had success in the league for sure, no doubt. I know the defensive stats for Oakland and Las Vegas. They have not been good when he was there. But you are talking about a guy also that had a lot of turnovers. I believe in the nine losses, he threw seven second half interceptions. We know that in crunch time, at least this past season, he wasn't great. But I think we have seen some fourth quarter comebacks from him before where he was able to be atop the league. I just want to start fresh. That has been the way of thinking that I subscribe to. But if the Saints go after Derek Carr um, and they decide to give him a whole lot of money, it'll be interesting with that contract on the payroll. Like the cap does exist. I know we joke about it with the Saints, but they've had to let talented guys go before. Trey Hendrickson is one that comes to mind. A good pass rusher where they weren't able to bring him back and he goes to a Cincinnati. So but for me, I'd rather refresh. I'd rather get the rookie scale contract for a rookie QB but it would be very interesting to see what the Saints could do with Derek Carr QB yeah that's the best way to go in my book as well get that rookie but listen for the Saints I think they feel like with a defense that's still pretty good Kamara and some other weapons that they will add uh, Alave and the mix looking like a really good young receiver and uh, Derek Carr coming to a place where there will be no pressure like it was last year for him to come in there and be able to do some things so I think that would be a really good pickup uh, for the Saints the only veteran quarterback I think the Panthers should sell the farm for us, so to speak, would be Lamar Jackson if they had a chance for him. All right. Only uh, one more segment to go in the one o'clock hour. We pushed it back in order to just give you a little bit more of a variety in the first hour. But it's the Campus Corner coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. time on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, talking a little bit of college rack from last night. We already talked to Steve <laughs> Forbes, the head demon deacon. I'm, Wes, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What's up? You got to quit saying rack. College, college rack. <laughs> I got Pharrell and them say that. that college is, rack. Take it know, to the rack. I didn't know what that was, to be honest with you. College God, rack. You guys never play street ball? I mean, yeah. I Actually, you know what? I did. I just. I you never heard I, nobody say take it to the rack. I've heard no, that. It's, it's I college never, rack. I, I, definitely, yeah. I definitely have heard a million times people say take it to yeah. the rack. Big time. I don't okay. know if I've ever heard. Let's talk some college rack. Yeah. That I bit that off of Pharrell in them, man. I'm okay. sorry. No, it's okay. I just needed I just needed help. <laughs> I just didn't know what it was. Yeah, I like the bite from some of my favorites. Racks on Give racks them their on flowers. Racks. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I'll shut the hell up. <laughs> so we got uh, last night, Carolina Wake, Hubert Davis. We know that he got the side eye lot last year before that deep tournament run. And now the Hills have lost three straight. Things are looking like they are out of control in Chapel Hill. Is his seat now starting to heat up, or did the Final Four appearance buy him enough cachet to where Tar Heel Nation feels like they're in good hands? Well, okay, I was going to say the latter emphatically until you said Tar Heel Nation feels like they're in good hands. I don't think they feel that right now. There are a lot of Tar Heel fans that think that Hubert Davis is not doing a good job with this team. But if we're going to discuss the possibility of Hubert Davis being fired, that's not going to happen. He is not going to get fired after the first year, making it to the championship game and having two of the most important games ever won a part of that program's history with the Cameron Indoor game against Coach K's last time there and then the Final Four appearance. He's not going to get fired if that's what we're talking about. Has that bought him enough cushion? I think absolutely yes. But I also don't think the Tar Hills fans feel great about this right now. And I hate it. I wanted to see an awesome North Carolina team again because we didn't even get that in the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know you don't, right? I know your, your hatred for North Carolina, your love for Wake. I, I did want to see a Heels team towards the top. Hell, I'd love to see Wake Forest. I'd love to bring it back all the way to 05 and, and see the triad just dominate, right? I'd love to see it, but we're not there, and I thought we were going to get that from the Heels, and that's disappointing. Well, listen, preseason, this was a team I told Baker after I told Coach that I told him that the Deeks were going to get him again. But I told Baycott, I said, you guys shouldn't lose more than three or four games. I, I really thought this was going to be a team this year that was really going to come out, like I said, and run roughshod over people 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that we're starting to preheat here. I'm sitting around. I'm wondering, is it time for us to eat? I asked Bryce, are you hungry yet? He says, yes. I go in there and turn the oven on and let it start to heat up. And the oven's not quite fully you, hot. And yet. you put the food on the rack. Yeah, I, I have it prepared, but I haven't put it in yet. And I think that's where we're at. I think we've cut the oven on. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's <laughs> sitting there. It hasn't quite heated up yet, but the oven is on. The light is on on the stove uh, for Hubert Davis. I think that this and this leads into our next question as well. The final four run, a lot of people may start to feel like that was a little bit of a fluke because they're showing the same things that they showed last year before the run, and it's not promised at all that they'll make another run like they did. So I think that people are starting to look at Hubert Davis a little bit questionable, especially coming out making comments like he's saying how many distractions he has to deal with and showing that he doesn't have a lot of control over his team right now. So I think that people are looking at him a little bit with the side eye. I think next season is definitely going to be a big one for him because if he doesn't get it done next season and they're struggling, then I think uh, that we're starting to be in trouble. But I ask you, and I was going to ask you too, does the Final Four run now look like a fluke a little bit, especially if they flame out in the tournament quickly after the season they're having thus far? I mean, we kind of had that question a little bit last year, but then going into this season, we just thought they were going to pick up where they left off. We thought, okay, they figured it out and that it wasn't just some hot stretch of basketball. But yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say it was a fluke. Brady Manick mattered a lot to that team. Mm-hmm. I, I knew he mattered a lot, and I don't know I, I don't know that I I thought he mattered this much. It's a lot, man. I mean, was hitting shots left and right. Was a huge part of their comeback before he was ejected in that game against Baylor too. I mean, he was awesome there. And so when you're discussing his presence, it mattered a ton to this team. I just can't remember. And then maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But I can't remember a team that brought back this much of their starting five and was this disappointing. Right. I, I know we haven't seen the uh, an absence from the NCAA tournament as far as the team that got to the championship preseason number one and then missed out entirely. I know we haven't seen that since like whatever the 50s or whatever. But I just can't remember a team that brought 80% of it back and was this disappointing. And so that that's the problem. It, it's you expect guys to get better. That, that's just the natural progression, at least a couple of them. And maybe Armando, I, I mean, I don't know who else got better, a part of the starting five. I just can't I just can't tell you that anybody has. Okay, real quick before we uh, get out of here, a couple of questions. Rapid fire responses. Walker, you understand what rapid fire means, right? Um, I think I understand okay. rapid fire. So right. really what it means is you kind of drag <laughs> answers out a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So. You, you get on your Dabo. Go into your Dabo bag. Uh, quickly, did Tyree Appleby insert his name back into the ACC player to your discussion with his performance? And off of that, the other big game last night, did last night prove NC State is not ready for the bright lights quite yet? Um, I think Tyree is back in that discussion. It was a fantastic performance. I think you see why Wake relies on him so much. I think that goes into the minds of the voters. And no, I don't think that this loss for NC State means that they're not ready for the bright lights. Virginia is very good. It was on the road. The Cavaliers are excellent at home. It does not diminish what NC State is as a basketball team. Yeah, I think Tyree Appleby last night, we have to note that his 23 made free Free throws was an ACC record. All right, so ballers get to the line to get points. He did that last night, finished with 35 points as well, 11 dimes and seven boards. So I think for sure he entered his name into it where 
after that game last night when we're talking about NC State, yeah, I don't think that it proved that NC State is not ready for the bright lights. That is a hard place to go in and get a dub. Terquavion Smith, though, had an inefficient night last night um, in that ball game. But everybody has trouble going into Virginia. They've now limited 38 consecutive ACC opponents to fewer than 70 points at John Paul Jones Arena. And over the last 11 seasons, they have an ACC leading 83-13 and 13 record. Held NC State to 21st half points, and they shot a season-low 25%. They locked them down. This is the number one scoring team in the ACC, and they came in and got locked down last night. So, yeah, I think uh, a lot of teams are going to meet their demise in Virginia at John Paul Jones. I don't look at any state, NC State as any less. Uh, because of this, we'll see how they bounce back because they, too, have been very hot uh, as of recently. So, um, And then another one before we get out of here. we got time for one more. Armando Baycott told the team if they want, didn't want to be here to quit, will that be a revelation for North Carolina? Do we think that they bounce back uh, after having a kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting in the locker room after the game? I- I mean, we've heard this a little bit from Armando before. Wasn't it after the Pittsburgh game Mm -hmm. that Armando also had some kind of message towards the team? And we're still seeing this. Ultimately, do you think Caleb Love is going to change his style of play for anybody right now? Uh, We haven't seen it in multiple years. I... With R.J. Davis, maybe an under-told storyline here is how banged up he might be. But the answer is no. Like, I, I I, can't say that North Carolina is just going to flip a switch because of Armando's message. I would agree with you 100%. And when we come back, what are the top offseason needs for Carolina outside of quarterback? And should they sell the farm or the bank? For one, Lamar Jackson. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.